Well, it is so good to be back home here at Victory Church. As Pastor Daniel said, all four years at ORU, this was my home church. I sat probably two-thirds of the way back on the left-hand side virtually every week, sometimes both morning services. Cried through many, many services, responded to every altar call, served in the youth ministry across the street all four years as well, and just was indelibly impacted by this ministry Victory just hits different. There's something in the air here. So let's thank God for this incredible place. As you're seated, turn to the person next to you. Say, if it wasn't for you, I'd be the best-looking person in church this morning. <laughs> Lindsay gives you her greetings. She's doing amazing. The aspect of the organization that she lives leads, Angel House, is now in its 13th year and. If you remember, we started with that one children's home for 25 kids 11, 12 years back. And this June, or excuse me, this past uh, June, we opened House 300. We brought over 6,000 kids off the streets of India into safe and loving homes, empowering their future of formerly abandoned orphan children. And so excited for what God's doing there. But she's back home with the, with the kids. And uh, so we're just, we're excited to be here. We've, we're having an incredible weekend here at Victory, and I believe God's going to speak to us this morning. Uh, did you come hungry for God's word today? Let's jump in. Matthew chapter 8, verse 6. Matthew chapter 8, verse 6. Jesus enters the village of Capernaum. A Roman captain comes up in a panic and says, Master, my servant is sick. He can't walk. He's in terrible pain. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. Oh, no, said the captain. I don't want to put you to all that trouble. Just give the order and my servant will be fine. I'm a man who takes orders and gives orders. I tell one soldier, go and he goes to another, come and he comes to my slave, do this, and he does it. Taken back, Jesus said, I've yet to come across this kind of simple trust in Israel the very people who are supposed to know all about God and how he works. This man is the vanguard of many outsiders who will soon be coming from all directions, streaming in from the east, pouring in from the west, sitting, God, sitting down at God's kingdom banquet alongside Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you that you've already met with us this morning. We thank you that you're already speaking to us. We thank you that eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It's never entered the heart of humanity which you have prepared for us who love you. I thank you that you would empower us today. Revive us again today. Speak to us again today, we pray. Bless every family represented in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen. amen. I incorporated the ministry that I now lead today between my junior and senior years across the street at ORU. And for those first five or six years, we were leading citywide outreaches across Central and South America and Southeast Asia. And about year six, we began to ask the question after we heard the scripture in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8, where the ancient prophet asked the question, can a nation be saved in a day? And we launched what was our One Nation, One Day campaigns. And our very first one was there in Honduras. We took on all 18 states and the capital cities of all 18 states, those stadiums. We brought 2,000 missionaries with us. Victory was there in strength. I think about 100 missionaries strong in El Progreso. And we were in every public high school in the nation in that one week. 
million people reached face to face, and then two years later, the Dominican Republic in 15, Nicaragua in 17, and our largest mobilization, Peru at that time in 2019. And we brought 3,000 missionaries from 43 nations to Peru, and 7,000 locals joined. We became one team of 10,000 from the capital city all the way to the jungle and everywhere in between. The president said, man, you've brought 400 doctors from all across the world to serve our people. We can't let you love our nation more than us. So he commissioned 1,000 doctors alongside our team, and it was incredible. The military aircraft moving, moving things around him. The momentum was really crushing with One Nation one day. We felt, God, where are we going next? We were FaceTiming with the uh, vice president of Ecuador. He said, the nation's ready, the doors are open, and we thought, man, it's time. And I was in prayer in early 2019, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, the next nation is not Ecuador. I'm calling you to America, and the first city will be Los Angeles. And, and I thought, Lord... That can't be you. Remember back 10 years ago in college, I made, a, I made a commitment. I'm gonna spend my life, I'm gonna leverage my life moving people, energy, awareness out of America to the nations. Went to our pastors and council and we, we wanted one of them to say, you're crazy, you can't do this, this isn't God. But one by one, they not only said you can, they said you must. And in faith, we began building what would be a first world missions model for major cities in America. We put bold vision on paper of 20,000 volunteers in an iconic stadium and tier one influencers. And one by one, all of the miracles started to fall in place. And God showed up in L.A. In a, in a powerful way. After one day, L.A. in 2021, we felt the next city was to be in the nation of Texas, in Houston. <laughs> and... We said, you know, we had a, a powerful activation in L.A., but what if in Houston we could really build a long-term framework for city transformation? I believe, without any doubt, the most leveraged investment we can make in transforming America and our cities is uniting, activating, and empowering the church at scale. There is no institution in our cities better positioned to drive transformation for, at a community level than a united church. And we brought together four or 500 leaders in the city and we cast this bold vision. We said, what if we could work strategically, collaboratively, sustainably, intelligently on the greatest issues facing this city? And one by one, the churches came on board and, and this long-term framework for transformation began to emerge across Houston these last two years. One of the major catalysts is what we call our one-day event, our one-day Houston. And of course, that still involves a stadium. And we told the pastors May of 2021, we're going to take on probably NRG Stadium, the football stadium, and it's going to be amazing. And they were so excited for the outreach. And months began to pass, and everybody kept saying, we're sorry, there's multiple holds on the venues. All the COVID cancellations are rescheduling. The tours are back. Football stadium closed, then we worked on the baseball stadium all summer, and it was the week before Thanksgiving last year, I got an email from Minute Maid Park, we're sorry, Mr. Russo, we will not be accommodating one day Houston. That was the last in a series of very challenging things that came both in the organization and outside. And I was thinking, Lord, you called us to the city, you told us the stadium outreach was still supposed to be a part of what we do, 
Here I've shared this vision to the pastors. We've gathered the leaders. And, I was a, and then looking through all the other things we've been facing, I was ready to go on a really strong complaining tangent. And I was ready to get rolling. And I was about to tell the Lord about all the things that needed to happen and why I was. And I was really ready to complain. And before I could get to it, I heard his voice. And he called me something I've never heard. He usually would, when I hear his voice, he says, Dominic, or he says, son. But I heard, soldier, straighten up. And it so took me back. And then immediately after 2 Timothy 2, 3, endure hardship with us like a good soldier. And then immediately after that, I heard the Holy Spirit's voice so clearly say, I'm calling you into the vanguard. And that's where I'll be positioning you for the rest of your life. Now, I had never heard anybody preach about the vanguard. I'd never heard the word explained. I know there's a university called vanguard. There's financial groups called vanguard. But, but I had no reference point for the word. And so I looked it up on my phone. And the first two definitions were, number one, a group of people leading the way in new developments or new ideas. Number two, the foremost part of an advancing army or naval force. And as I read these two definitions, tears began to come down my face because I knew exactly what the Lord was saying. He was saying these battles we were encountering and the resistance we were facing were to be expected based on what he'd called us to. And that he was telling me to stiffen my spine, to throw my shoulders back and recognize you're a soldier. In the opening text, we read this exchange between a Roman soldier and the Lord. And, of course, he asked Jesus to heal his suffering servant. Jesus said, of course, I'll come. And the soldier immediately says, I understand authority. You don't need to come to my house. And what he began to unpack amazed Christ because he said, I tell one under me, come and he comes, go and he goes. I recognize the supremacy and authority you have over sickness just in the same way, say the word and the sickness will leave. Jesus is so taken back, he pauses the scene and he points at the man and he says, guys, this man is the vanguard. He's way ahead of his time. And he, he kind of goes off on a tangent. And he says, it's as if he's saying, in a couple of years I'm going to die. I'm going to shed my blood. I'm going to be buried. Then I'm going to rise from the dead. And Gentiles everywhere are going to be able to step into this covenant. But this Roman's a pagan. This Roman is not a child of the covenant. He's not a child of Abraham. He's outside. And yet he's reached into the promise because of his revelation of me. And in, in just a little bit of time, the nations are about to come into this thing. From the north, the south, the east, and the west, they're going to sit at this table. But you're looking at a prototype. You're looking at a forerunner. You're looking at one who's out front, one who's ahead. He's the vanguard. And this morning, I'm convinced I'm not speaking to a, a common group of Christians, I'm actually speaking to a vanguard community and a vanguard church and a vanguard movement who for decades have unleashed pioneers and entrepreneurs and leaders and those who would not follow behind but who would lead the way, who would lead the advancement of new ideas, who would go out front, who would dare to take territory and step into uncharted places. I believe this morning at Victory, I'm speaking to the vanguard in this church. 
This church has not just raised up tens or hundreds of pioneers, but thousands of pioneers. And let me warn you, if you call victory home, you're not going to be able to stay stationary long because there's something in the air. There's a mobilization grace. There's an empowering and activating and releasing grace on this church. Around here, we change the world. And I believe there are aspects of the vanguard that need to be understood if we're going to be prepared for what's in front of us. And I want to call out three distinctives of what I believe to be a part of being in this pioneering space. I want to talk about the patience, the price, and the privilege of pioneering. The patience, the price, and the privilege of pioneering. Patience. Arguably my least favorite word. I love the verse, can a nation be saved in a day? I love things that go fast. I love things that are accelerated. Anybody else not enjoy waiting? I think one of the greatest technological advancements ever was mobile ordering from Starbucks. No longer do we wait in line. No longer do we sit in drive throughs We simply punch in our desired beverage with its customizations, we walk inside and there it is sitting with our name printed on it. And out we go. Or how about when you used to have to drag your online purchases into an online shopping cart and then type in your credit card info. Then PayPal came and it went a little bit quicker, but then Amazon was like, we're taking it to the next level, just one click and it's at your doorstep within 24 hours, maybe that afternoon. How many people love Amazon? I'm not a brand ambassador, just a raging fan. Let me tell you, this has no resemblance to how God works. God is not a one-click and it's done God. Internet marketers are saying right now the average attention span is seven seconds. So they know if they're going to get you on social to purchase or consider their product, They've got seven, seven seconds to get it done. So we're literally on social for 20 minutes and we've just watched hundreds of meaningless videos. That's why somebody asks you how you're doing and you say you're exhausted, you've just been laying on the couch. Your dopamine's fried because you're like video, meaningless video. I mean, literally, we have lost our ability to wait for anything. Let me tell you how God works. He works a little bit like this. Prepare the soil then wait, then plant the seed. And then when you see no evidence the seed is producing, begin to water the seed by faith. And then wait, and then wait, hang back and wait a little bit longer and then water it again. And then soon there's a sign of life, there's some green, and then water, and then wait, and then soon there is the crop, there's the tree, there's the plant, there's a reproducing of the life and the fruit and the seeds in that fruit. And see, the journey to God showing up is usually the significant part because God accomplishes so much in a moment, but he almost always demands a journey of patience to get to those moments. Because when he actually does show up, it changes everything forever. 
When he shows up, the game is permanently changed. Your life is repositioned. The miracle is in motion. Everything's different. But patience is required to get to the moment. I'll never forget telling the team, guys, I don't know why the stadium's not emerging. And there's about 100 other things we were waiting on. I heard the Holy Spirit say in that journey, I'm teaching you patience. Never preached about patience, never considered or studied patience. So I looked at all the scriptures I could find, and this one stood out, James 1, 2. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing, I believe the testing of your faith is when things don't go your way, and you have the opportunity to respond biblically or not. Knowing that the testing, how many people thinks, have, have had things not go their way as of late, maybe, recently? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. See, patience cannot be manufactured. Patience, can, you can't grind and get, patience is actually a spiritual reality. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's, a, it's the byproduct of walking in step with the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. And then this is the most amazing part. The second half says, but let patient have its work that you may be perfect and complete. There's something about the, the presence of patience in our life that rounds us off, that matures us, that actually completes us, that spiritually matures us. And God will withhold answers. God will allow us to linger in the storm. God will do things on his timeline so that patience is required because he knows in the process of patience, we're being made perfect. I was thinking of the mental models of the vanguards of scripture and Noah comes to mind because he was an absolute vanguard. He saw the future. He knew rain was coming, judgment was coming. The global flood would be there. And God commissions him to build something. And whenever God commissions you to build something, you can bet it's not going to be an overnight process. Whenever God assigns you to create something, it's probably not going to come in 24 hours. It's probably going to be a journey of patience. And Noah begins to build as a master builder, setting it all in place. And it's weeks, it's months, it's years of patience. To be the pioneer God was asking him to be. But patience is what's required if we're going to lead the future. Patience is what's required if we're ever going to step into his promise. Patience is what's required if God's going to truly do what he wants to do. And some of the areas of my life that I've wanted quicker breakthrough, I'm actually saying, Lord, on your timing, I receive it. But in the middle of this storm, in the middle of this waiting, let patience have its perfect work. James actually got to the point where he said, I actually counted joy in this storm because patience is having its perfect work in me. I'm being made perfect. I'm being made complete. I'm lacking nothing. Go to work, patience. Go to work changing and transforming and empowering and elevating and refining and making me brand new. Somebody say patience. 
patience to pioneering. Then there's, there's the price of pioneering. And the price is costly. So I was thinking through the mental models of the vanguard of Scripture. I was thinking, of course, about Joshua and Caleb. Verse 25 to 29 tells the story of Moses sending the 12 out. Of course, when they come back, they talk about the beauty of the land, and they talk about the giants in the land. Then in verse 30, it says, But Caleb tries to quiet the people as they stand before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land. He says, We can certainly conquer it. But the other man who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we've traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Think about it. The only thing Caleb said is he was a, viant, he was a vanguard. He was a pioneer. The only thing he's, is he, he said is we can take that uncharted land. And those who didn't have the revelation of God, the revelation of his promise, at just the news, not the giants had not shown up, but you have millions of, of Israelites weeping. And not just weeping, weeping all night. Now I want to take you into this dramatic scene because this is not how I remembered it in Sunday school. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die? Isn't it amazing how our life, our minds can take us to the worst possible outcome very quickly? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back? Don't we always want to go back to comfort, back to easy, back to known, back to familiar, back to not going against the resistance, back to not taking new territory? Then they plotted among themselves, here comes the insurrection. Let's choose a new leader. So they're so mad at Caleb and Joshua for being visionary, pioneering leaders, for being vanguard, that they're now going over their heads saying, I want to change the leadership. Moses, you're not fit. Then Moses and Aaron fall face down on the ground before the whole community. So I want you to imagine millions of Israelites, Joshua and Caleb, and then Moses and Aaron falling on their face, flat, face down in front of them. Pretty dramatic. So we got crying, we got we can take the land, we got face down flat, and then... Then two of the men who explored the land, Joshua and Caleb, tear their clothing. Has there ever been a better way to underscore your point than to tear your clothing? So they're tearing their clothing. Feel the drama. They said the land we traveled through and explained is a wonderful land. And if the Lord's pleased with us, he'll bring us safely to it and give it to us. It's a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people. They're only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. What an inspiring speech from the vanguard. I mean, do you feel the faith on that, the courage on that? And then the next scripture says, but the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. This is the life of the vanguard. When you choose to daringly pioneer, 
when you choose to courageously hear the voice of God and go forward, you can expect the crowds, you can ex expect the majority to push back. You can expect to be understood. You can expect to be criticized and insulted. But here's the unique thing about being the vanguard. You're usually criticized, then over time you're copied. You're usually mocked, then over time you're mimicked. And it's incumbent upon us to understand that pioneering and leading the way means we're probably going to be the first and the only. Joshua and Caleb were two of 12, which is one of six. That's probably what you are in your family. Most of the time, there's one in the family that gets the revelation. There's one in the family that dare, dares to go where no one ever's bro broken out and gone to. There's one in the family that gets saved. There's one in the family that accepts the call. There's one in the family that starts to tithe. There's one in the family that says we're going to model a healthy marriage. There's one in the family who breaks out and says we are going to pioneer. Are there any pioneers in the house this morning? What's the price of pioneering? I'd, I'd ask Jesus, and I believe if he were here, he'd say, six, Matthew 16, 24, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your way. Take up your cross. Think about Jesus in that garden, facing his destiny. And he looks up to heaven and he says, Father, can you let this cup pass? Is there any other way but this cross? And the scriptures record silence from heaven. He asks a second time. See, I believe right now some of you are looking at your future. You're looking at your call. And it is difficult. And you're wondering, do I forge forward or do I go back? I'm here to tell you this morning, if you choose to follow Jesus, you're choosing the difficult path. Because broad is the way that leads to destruction, narrow is the way, and difficult is the path that leads to life. But let me tell you, the only way forward is that cross. There is no workaround. There is no backing up. There is no retreating. we got to take that cross and start walking. We've got to take that cross and start following. We've got to pick up that cross and march forward because the cross is the only way. You know what's so amazing, though? The moment we pick up that cross, grace finds us. The moment we pick up that cross, power finds us. The moment we pick up that cross, anointing meets us. The moment we pick up that cross, miracles break forth. The moment we pick up that cross, doors start to open that no man can shut. The moment we pick up that cross, the earth shifts beneath our feet and God begins to do what only he began to do. That's why Paul says, I want to know him. I want to know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Because when I'm made like him in death, then I'm made like him in the resurrection. Because the moment we step into losing our life is the moment we find our life. Anybody ready to pick up that cross this morning? The cross might mean suffering. The cross might, be, might mean discomfort. The cross always means obedience. But God says, if you'll pay the price, 
you'll share in the privilege. What is the privilege? The privilege is we co-create with heaven. The, the privilege is we partner with God himself. The privilege is we stand in the aftermath of miracles. The privilege is doors are open and, and miracles are breaking loose and there's fruit and eternity shifted and legacies are changed and cities are turned upside down and families are, 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 are lifted and God begins to move and do what only he can do. Man, I don't want the boring easy life. I want that cross. I want the power of that resurrection. I want God to go before me. I want to follow him no matter what. Is anybody ready to pioneer at Victory Tulsa this morning? I was so proud of our team because they all put their names on the line too and we told the city we're going to do a stadium outreach. But it was after God told us, straighten up, you're the vanguard. Two days later this idea came. What if we went to an arena where the Houston Rockets play both nights instead of one night in the stadium? Some businessmen locally got involved and things began to open up and they said, not only do we want to provide the venue to One Day Houston, but we're waiving the $1 million rental fee. It's yours. I told the team, I said, when we step in to partner with him, the privileges, we got to see 77,000 families reached. We got to see 395 churches work together. We got to see 100 public schools open for the outreach. We got to empower, foster, and adoptive families and get kids into forever homes. The privilege is the fruit. We have no idea what's on the other side of our pioneering. We have no idea what we will stand in if we will not quit. If we'll in patiently endure, if we'll pay that price, the privilege is to which nothing can be compared, and it's also generational. Because when Noah chose to be a vanguard, it unlocked something. His children and his children's children were set up. When Joshua and Caleb chose to pioneer, the Bible says the other 10 and their descendants died in the wilderness, but Joshua and Caleb's kids sat in the promised land. And if we will pioneer, we will set our children and our children's children to a high place. They'll start at a place we could have never dreamed. We sit here at Victory because of the pioneering price Pastor Billy, Joe, and Sharon paid for many, many, many years. And now we sit in this place starting from a different position. Somebody say pioneer. pioneer. I want to say this morning, you can't retreat. You can't look back. I wonder if there's a Joshua and Caleb spirit that would begin to emerge in your heart where you say, I'm going to be the one in six. I'm going to be the only one in my family to drastically fund the kingdom. We're going to be the first to model a healthy marriage. We're gonna be the first to raise godly children. I wonder if there's some firsts in the room this morning that will say, we're gonna be the first to go to Bible College at VBC. We're gonna be the first to give 10% or more. We're gonna be the first to bless a family struggling. We're gonna be the first to give a home away. We're gonna be the first to give a car away. We're gonna be the first to go on a missions trip. We're gonna be the first to fund a 
a project. We're going to be the first to step up. We're going to be the first to consistently serve in church. We're going to be a family of firsts. Anybody ready to pioneer, to take new ground? I'm not talking this morning to a normal community. I'm speaking to the Vanguard Church this morning. And God says, I need you to recognize the significance of the moment. Would you stand to your feet quickly all over the room? I believe the Holy Spirit wants to underscore some very profound things in hearts right now. Churches around the world began to close in the face of a global pandemic. One church said, bring your cars, we're doing service on the roof, we're going to go first. Some of you are watering dirt with no sign of life. You're in the patience phase. You keep watering. That seed will produce. It must. I believe as we lift our hands and close our eyes, God's going to begin to give spiritual sight People are going to begin to see the next five years, the next ten years. God's going to give you clear vision of the future because he does that. Lift your hands and close your eyes all across the room. Vision is even coming now. Clarity for families. Without a vision, we perish. That means we got to know where he's taking us. We must know where he's bringing us. Lord, I thank you for a revelation of your divine assignment for this moment, for your mandate for this moment. Show us our place in your story and this significant moment in history. Don't be intimidated by where he's calling you. He would never ask you to go somewhere that didn't require his intervention. He will not ask you to go somewhere you can get on your own. He would never do it. He's taking you somewhere that requires him to show up. Let's lift this chorus together.
the building this morning and you say, I know God's drafting me into the vanguard. I know the, the price, the call, the patience, the, the reward even he's calling me to. And, and I, I need to make a, a bold step to say yes to what he's inviting me into. Would you just lift your hand all across the room if you say, that's me. I know he's talking to me this morning. I'm going to invite you to take a step with me and join me at the altar. I believe as you come, there's going to be an impartation of authority, of clarity, of boldness, of courage, of audacity to pioneer, to take territory, to go where you've never gone, where your family's never gone, where your friends have never gone, to lead the way. Let's give it up for these people who feel the Lord speaking to them this morning. Let's lift it. Fix our eyes on him for a moment. Great I Your name. 
just the voices. you lift your hands here at the altar spirit of God carrying a pretty awesome assignment for every leader at this altar every family represented watching in the room this morning bring an acute awareness of the significance of this moment. Some need a fresh baptism of courage, of grace, to forge forward on the pioneering path. Would you cloak us, anoint our heads with oil, Lord, we desperately need your power and your grace and your strength and an anointing to do the work. Please, God, fall upon us. Rest upon us. Rest on us, Lord. One more time, just the voice is worthy. Pray this with me, church. Say, Lord Jesus, I received my assignment out front, pioneering in the vanguard, leading the way of the advancing army, building your kingdom, expanding its borders, taking territory. Speak to me, direct me, empower me, mobilize me. Here I am, Lord. Send me in Jesus' name. Amen.